Welcome to The Philosopher's Nest. I'm Kyle Van Ostrom. And I'm Lewis Williams. The Philosopher's Nest is a podcast that showcases the work, insights, and experiences of graduate students in philosophy. This podcast is generously supported by the American Philosophical Association, the Faculty of Philosophy at the University of Oxford, and Lineker College, Oxford. Welcome to this special bonus episode of The Philosopher's Nest. We've asked each of our last 12 guests the same question, and we've compiled each of their answers into a single episode. So today, we'll be hearing 12 philosophy PhD students answer the following question. What advice would you give to students who are thinking of applying to PhD programs in philosophy? To begin, Alexander Gustafson, University of Toronto. I would advise them to go where they think they'll be happiest. And that is not the advice that we're always given, especially because there are just so many considerations to prioritize when choosing a a graduate department. But I think that when you're admitted to the various programs you're admitted to, make sure you visit them all and go where you can see yourself living happily for the next five to seven years. Because at the end of the day, a career in philosophy is not guaranteed to any of us. And so if this is all that you get, better make sure that you, you enjoy it. So that's my best advice. Go where you'll be happiest. Rihanna Popat, University of Nottingham. Go for it. <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. I really didn't repeat the advisable in so many ways. Like I've learned so many things, but academically and about the community and about myself, the list is endless. And I think. One thing I would really like to stress is you can do it if you want to, but anybody, I always say that to all my students, I think it's very important. You you can do it if you want to do it. And I think people think our PhD students are the huge brainy community which people can't get into. And I don't think that's necessarily true. At least I'm not brainy. <laughs> I guess I get you can do it if you want to. Don't think anything beyond your capabilities. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Emily Lawson, University of British Columbia. I think that it's very important for many people to consider the prestige of the program for many practical reasons. And as you look for who to work with, I think just remembering that the advisor relationship is very important and very intimate. And you should look at the, the scholarship of the people you'll be working with and make sure that the kind of writing and scholarship they're producing is the kind of thing that you could see yourself doing, because you'll likely change and become more like them as a writer and a thinker. Um, but more importantly, I think it's important not to treat graduate school, probably especially in philosophy, where there's so few jobs at the end of the tunnel as a means to an end. I am in the unfortunate position of having to worry about cancer recurrence in the next couple of years. But the fact that death can come at any time is also the human condition. It's true for everyone. So I think it's important to go into the PhD, realizing that your life is not going to start after the PhD. Your life is happening now. And the academic dream You are living it now in the program, and you can make that dream happen. You can make it beautiful and exciting and rich and rewarding, and try to do everything you can to resist the spiral 
of stress and negativity around all the work you have to do. And remember that it's joyful work. Jack Beaulieu, University of Toronto. Practically speaking, I think the most important, like, like just kind of like understanding the sort of priority of like the application materials. And the first and foremost thing is like your writing sample, right? Spend as much time as you can feasibly on that writing sample. Think through every sentence in that writing sample, rewrite every sentence in that writing sample, make sure it reads as smoothly as possible and make sure a bunch of people have read your writing sample and have given you thoughts on the sample, because that's going to be the, the, the primary piece of material by which your application is assessed. So writing sample, first and foremost. So I think maybe the second thing that's most important, I mean, there, there are like certain things that are in your, at least the second thing that's like in your immediate control, because things like grades, letters, that's out of your control. I mean, you can choose who your letter writers are to an extent and, and, and making sure that you've got like ideal letter writers, that's, that's good. But the next sort of most important thing over which you have a lot of control is your statement of interest. I know in certain places, this is going to look different, right? So like at the University of Toronto, we have a 300 word statement of interest. And so with something like that, at least, so if you're thinking of applying to the University of Toronto, don't, don't come in and try and act like you have the full research proposal, like you're, like you're ready to do your dissertation off the bat, because there's almost this expectation that your interests are going to shift and change. And, and so what you want to do, if you have like a 300 word right, statement of interest, I think, is come off as a person with some like very cool interests that you know some stuff about and want to develop further rather than having like a full fully worked out dissertation proposal because your interests are going to change over your years of coursework that sort of thing i think i think with writing or statements of interest in general the best thing to do is come off as a very creative philosopher who has kind of like who exhibits a wide range of interests but like knows a good amount concretely about those interests in addition because again, interests change. Uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna have your dissertation figured out. Maybe maybe unless you're a very bizarre human, you're not gonna have your dissertation figured out right off the bat. Right. Those are the those are the two things that strike me as sort of most important. Casey Landers, University of Miami. I would say have a game plan worked out in terms of what you envision for yourself afterwards. Part of what helped me get through grad school is that I, I just knew that I really wanted to be a philosophy professor. Like I've been working for this for a really long time and I knew I just wanted to give it a go, even though the job market is horrible. So I had a plan worked out where I would go on the job market for two or three years. And if I didn't get any bites, then I would transition to something else. And so I think just having that as part of your plan maybe alleviates a little bit of the anxiety of putting so much time and effort into this goal and it potentially not coming to fruition, which is unfortunately a stark reality for a lot of us in grad school. Um, so just just having like a fairly fully formed backup plan in mind so that you don't experience so much anxiety because I think a lot of us in graduate school experience so much anxiety, not just because the stakes are really high in terms of what we're supposed to be outputting, but also because it's like literally our livelihoods <laughs> on the line afterwards. So I think, you know, giving yourself more options at the end of it makes it like mentally an easier task in a way. 
Mira Hanagard, Uppsala University. My advice might be a bit depressing, more depressing than the others, I think, because my advice is if you're not sure that you want to do it, don't like wait and find out if you're sure. Because I wasn't sure when I was in my master's and it was in the middle of COVID and I didn't know what else to do. And I thought my issues with philosophy was because of COVID, because I was stuck. They weren't. They were issues with philosophy. So if you aren't sure that's what you want to do, take some time. And then apply if you feel like, oh, I miss it so much. Then apply. Otherwise, you have time. Mary Peterson, University of Hamburg. I would advise students to be intentional about how much coursework they want to do and whether or not they're ready to start researching. I found that research is much, much more satisfying and enjoyable than sitting in a class and and writing a term paper. So if If you're looking, you know, you've already done a master's and you're looking at another two years of coursework, maybe reconsider that. Ellie Benjamin Israel, Temple University. Great question. I think uh, once you're going to be spending um, at least like five years doing a PhD, if you're in the U.S. and be a little less in Europe, it can be more for a lot of people. We often just think about what is the the best school, the best person to be working with. And one question I asked a lot of the students that talked to you in the program I was accepted to was, are you happy there? And that's like a very important thing to think about if you're considering to spend uh, five years of your youngest years uh, doing something. If that's a place, if that's a profession where you see yourself being happy, that's... A very cliche advice, but a very good one, I think. Lisette Chaperonier, University of Glasgow. I think I'd say your project is going to evolve. Chances are you're not going to be doing the same thing at the end of your PhD than you did at the start. That's certainly the case for me. So even if, as part of your application, you have to do a proposal, don't feel like that's a box that you absolutely must stay in. It is understood that as you do research, the questions change. Mitchell Barrington, University of Southern California. Yeah, I think an underutilized piece of advice might be that you should have your letters written by not the people necessarily who are going to be like most glowing, because like, all of the letters that people write are glowing. And if they're not going to write a glowing letter, generally they won't, they'll say they're not going to write one for you. But you should have people who have well-known names who are, who are as big a name in the field as, as you can manage. And so that means maybe having, if you have like a, an honours thesis or a master's thesis, getting that marked, like pushing your university to get that uh, examined by somebody who would have a well-known name and they can eventually write you a letter. Atai Kozlowski, University of Zurich. Well, I think that for those who are interested in starting a PhD in philosophy, I would give a few pieces of advice. So first of all, I think you need to come with an open mind, which means don't come with a, a firm idea as to what you want to do. I'll give yourself time to research, give yourself time to understand the different areas that interest you and see where it takes you, right? Flow with it. 
With that being said, be prepared for turmoil uh, in terms of your state of being, right? It, it's a long process, a PhD, and you have to be ready to accept disappointment and times where you'll think that your work is worth nothing, that you haven't achieved anything at all, and just, you know, push through those moments. And finally, so in that respect, show resilience or be prepared for that. And finally, I think really commit to the process. So don't do it as a side thing or as a hobby. If you're going to take on this challenge, I think take it on fully, right? Be prepared to, to devote yourself to this, this huge project of learning and finding answers to, to different questions. Lorenzo Elijah, University of Oxford. Right. So my piece of advice definitely comes from experience. I would advise prospective applicants to do a lot of departmental research before constructing their research proposal. And I would actually recommend that they tailor their research proposal to the particular department that they want to apply to. Obviously, that's a lot of work. But the reason I think this would be a good idea is because I have an inside source that I was... um, being considered for acceptance to another program. But even though they thought I was a pretty good candidate, they ultimately rejected my application because they didn't have anyone in the department at the time who was willing and able to supervise my particular topic, right? And had I had a different topic that was better suited to the interests of the department, I probably would have gotten an offer, right? So my advice to prospective candidates would be to really keep that in mind and really try to tailor their research proposals to the departments that they're applying to. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Philosopher's Nest. You can find our website at www.philosophersnest.com. And if you're a graduate philosophy student who might like to come on and join us for an episode, feel free to reach out to us at thephilosophersnest at gmail.com.